the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Very strange day on Wall Street today. Very range-bound. Not a lot going on. Not up, not down. Um, And the Fed, the nation's largest banks, have been ordered to undergo a new stress test to show that they could weather another recession. And the Federal Reserve said that those that pass can then boost dividends and pay them on to investors. This is a good thing and bad thing. I don't think anyone wants to hear the word stress test. But at the same time, we do want banks to move on and start upping their dividends and feeling good about uh, doing loans. It's, uh, I don't know. I think people are worried right now, to say the least. We're worried about China. China, it's my way or the highway. China's uh, doing things on their own. And no one can really control that. The United States does things on their own, and Europe does things on their own for sure. But how are they going to slow down in China? Other things that we're worried about, the pigs, Portugal, Ireland, Italy, Greece, Spain. Another thing that we have to be worried about right now are the economy in the United States, the economy in different states within the United States. Uh, States like California are issuing municipal bonds right now, and we're questioning whether California will ever be able to pay it back. Another issue on confusion and, and fear and questions on Wall Street right now is quantitative easing. When does it stop? Two, three, four. The Federal Reserve's got a mandate to watch labor as well as prices. And they're supposed to control fl- inflation. And that's what the European Central Bank does. But ours also tries to watch labor and help labor. And quantitative easing, will it help labor not? Another issue that we're all worried about is the United States and our economy. You know, we're an aging heavyweight. We're the champ that's down. Probably not going to get any championship belts ever again, but I think we could show the world that we're strong, that we could still pack a punch. Unemployment. We're slowly adding jobs on the private side, but we need to add more fast. There's a quicksand feeling hitting states right now. Taxes. You know, are we going to see taxes extended? The Bush tax cuts two years or four years? Two years. And you could say, you know, look, we don't want to extend tax cuts for the rich, but we'll extend them for the next two years. But during the next presidential election, we'll make it a fighting ground. Healthcare reform. Uh, You know, we're going to find out if health care reform actually happened and if there's any sort of real teeth to it in the coming years. No one really knows right now. Obama administration, the next two years, the first two with the Democrat Congress, now going into a split Congress. 
Christmas 2010 is going to be a big concern in the coming weeks. You know, is Santa's sleigh going to deliver all the gifts or not? There's currency devaluations. Every country seems to be devaluing their currency and is the race at the bottom except for Europe. The housing crisis, the resets really don't seem to be resetting and working at this point in time as far as mortgage loans goes. Inflation, deflation today, we saw some, I think, quite honestly, deflationary numbers coming out on consumer price index. The lowest CPI number reading since readings began in 1957. You know, the G20 meetings, uh, it just feels like a wrestling match now where people are screaming at each other. Terrorism, at some point in time, will rue its ugly head again. Another thing we're afraid of is commodities. And uh, will they inflate too much? So far, this has been a great year for infl- in commodities, except for oil and natural gas. High-frequency trading. What caused the market crash earlier? Have we cleaned it up? So there's a wall of worry, and there's always a wall of worry on Wall Street. And I just gave you everything to worry about. You know, no one's ever kept a list of concerns probably on worry things except for me. And in doing this, I've never seen so many. You want to be fearful when others are greedy and you want to be greedy when others are fearful. I don't know. I think that should uh, give you some insights into investing. I hope it does. So the big stories on Wall Street today, it brings in some of those fears. Reaction has cooled to the recent panic on China's monetary policy, which, again, we've known about for years, but it's in and out of favor as far as are we afraid or not on a weekly, sometimes monthly basis. Ireland's fiscal troubles persist. I looked at Ireland's per capita GDP, and it's not that big of an issue. Their banks are going to fail. They're going to have problems there, a lot like the United States. It's going to hurt their currencies. There's no doubt about it. Europe has said they're they're ready to help them out. It's not nearly as problematic as what plagues Portugal and Greece, which are just not as wealthy of countries as, say, Ireland is. Ireland's in the top third of the EU as far as wealth and business and ability to repay their debts. It's not a, a it's a bailout lending loan, kind of like what happened in the United States. So I'm not all that freaked out by Ireland. Ireland. Financials are falling behind the broader market right now, and that's a little bit of a flag that a bigger and deeper correction is going to come around. So we've pulled back about 3.4% from the recent run on highs. Typical pullbacks are 10%. I'm not fearful of that. Dollar dipped in the red today. The CPI, there's just no inflation in the United States. Building permits and housing starts to disappoint it. Here's the good news, bad news on that today. What you ultimately have is housing starts and permits are all about people working. They're all about the guy who has a blue-collar job, drinks beer, pays his mortgage, buys cars, makes love sweet love to his wife, who's probably much better looking than him, but because he swings a hammer, she's attracted to him. So when we're building things, that's good for our economy. It's good for electricians, for construction, for manufacturing. It's good for commodities. It's good for the general economy because of the jobs that are created. On the other side, if we're not building new homes, my home's worth more. It's a supply and demand situation. And I know a lot of us in America want our homes to continue to go up in value. We want the good old days. Oil was off today. Gold was off today. Basically, again, saying people are starting to fear, again, 
it ebbs and flows, people are starting to fear what's going to play out in the economy. Let's keep moving forward, shall we? So Hulu today cut the paid service price 20% after trial period tick on Netflix. Hulu, the video website owned by the big three of the U.S. networks, they reduced the price of its paid service by 20% after initial trial period. They're trying to step up competition with Netflix. The Hulu Plus monthly subscription costs $7.99 now. It was $9.99. Hulu Plus allows subscribers to watch movies and current and past seasons of television shows, such as Glee and House on computers, mobile devices, internet, connected TVs. The new price goes head-to-head with Netflix, which began testing a $7.99 a month online streaming-only service in the U.S. last month. Netflix has been offering streaming programs and DVD rentals by mail for as low as $8.99. Programs on Hulu and Hulu Plus are primarily from owners of ABC, Fox, and NBC. So CBS is missing from that. Users who subscribe during Hulu Plus $9.99 a month preview period will receive a credit toward their next billing cycle. New subscribers can jump on for a one-week free trial. Previously, Hulu would offer a smaller selection of shows and episodes for free and dependent solely on advertising revenue. The closely held company still offers a free version that provides some movies and five of the most recent episodes of shows. Uh, Hulu was founded in 2007 by GE's NBC Universal, News Corp's Fox, Walt Disney's ABC, and private equity firm Providence Equity Realty. So uh, partners, not realty. Just Providence Equity Partners. We're going to see an IPO from them down the road. Microsoft has lined up some big customers for using their software that handles web-based calling and video conferencing. They're advancing an effort that hopefully will lead to a a billion-dollar market for them. They've lined up Boeing and France Telecom. The service is called Link, L-Y-N-C, Playoff Sync. It debuted at an event today. It's going to go on sale December 1. It's got the potential to generate sales on par with Microsoft's SharePoint business, which makes about $1.3 billion a year. Um, the unit's been revamping web calling and conferencing software to gain more than $50 billion market uh, for products that help companies replace traditional phone networks with systems that send communications over the Internet. The new software is a bid to parlay Microsoft's personal computer know-how into networking realm. You know, it's currently dominated by Cisco. Microsoft has a very strong offering in all areas except the place where they're the weakest, which is the telecom. So with this release, they've used their experience to improve that. Now, if you want it to, you can get rid of your existing phones. Pretty cool. The idea is to put internet messages, video chats, and phone calls all on the same platform. A concept which is known as unified communications. It makes it easier to reach people wherever they are. For instance, if you call a coworker's office but he's traveling, Link will try the person in the hotel room. If that fails, it'll uh, beep their phone. You know, if they need a third person to join, you could drag and drop that name until create a conference call. It's a pretty cool service, all things considered. So Cisco's got something pretty close to it, which has got a thousand customers already, uh, as far as a unified communication business. That includes internet phones and call center products, as well as social networking tools and mobile applications. So that unit posted growth of about forty-five percent last quarter. And they've got like the Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi police and the Bulgarian Ministry of Transport as customers. Uh, Cisco sold their 30 millionth internet phone last month to HSBC. So this is pretty interesting. Skype leads the market for consumer internet calling. It isn't as big as a competitor in the corporate arena, though. Skype lacks the kind of tools many companies need for security and auditing purposes. Microsoft has replaced its own phones and conferencing services with their technology, resulting in $215 million in annual savings in the United States. Um, Again, this used to be business that AT&T and Verizon got almost without any competition. So the software stems from seven years of work. 
Um, it's something that started with Bill Gates. So Gates was interested because he felt telecom industry was stuck in the dark ages while the PC industry was transforming on a regular basis. I like that story. I, I, I think that story has actually got some pretty cool traction to it. Speaking of AT&T, I think it's probably time that we talked a little bit about the elephant in the room. The sole U.S. wireless carrier for Apple's iPhone. They're clearly looking for additional exclusive partnerships with device manufacturers. Their iPhone deal is said to end soon. Verizon Wireless, the largest U.S. wireless company, they're going to start selling the iPhone early next year. And again, this isn't known, but it looks like June. Exclusive partnerships are still required for other carriers who's responsible for, you know, things like tablet devices and partnerships. The exclusivity, I don't know. AT&T's dragging on it. They're, I mean, they're, they're really focusing on it. I don't think the air is gone at all, but exclusive relationships drive innovation. Um, you know, there's still some cutting deals that are exclusive. With that said, it's about time that it ends and Apple opens up because they need it. So they're going to need it to get that extra push in their stock. AT&T has had sole domain over the popular touchscreen smartphone in the United States since its introduction in 2007. They've activated 5.2 million of the phones in the last quarter. The company's off-selling provider that lets Apple owners of the iPad connect directly to the mobile phone network. So they think they've had a good relationship with Apple. AT&T is going to limit the number of different tablets it sells in its stores to kind of try to help out Apple. Until they understand the full breadth of demand, we're going to have to pick just a few, put them in, see how they go. National retailers like Best Buy will probably have more tablets. So AT&T is going to begin selling Samsung's Galaxy tablet on November 21st, basically a week later than Verizon. The Galaxy tab is designed to compete with the iPad, which holds 95% of the tablet market dominance. Galaxy's already starting to cut down on manufacturing because they feel that the consumer is just a little overextended. So that's interesting to see how that's going to play out with Apple. Now, Qualcomm, the biggest maker of mobile phone chips, they're going to unveil a new version of the Snapdragon processor next year, seeking a place in more smartphones and tablet computers. The chip's going to feature improved graphics, built-in connections to Wi-Fi, global positioning system, and Bluetooth, as well as a faster processing speed. Qualcomm's using Snapdragon to try to move beyond radio chips, which connect phones to networks, and they're trying to push into processors that run applications and handle other computing tasks. They've already got a dominant market share in phones based on Google's Android operating system, which you know is also going to appear in their tablets. So Qualcomm continuing to push innovation. Why? Because they have to. Tomorrow we're going to get the initial claims level. This is a big day for Wall Street. It's another piece of data that we chew Last week, the initial claims level dropped below 440,000 without the benefit of any statistical or seasonal bias for the first time since the recession began. It represented the first sign of a true inflection point in the claims data. Now, given the sawtooth tendencies and the movement of the initial claims level over the last year, we got to pay attention this week. So initial claims level, will we stay at 435? That's what we'd like to see. Somewhere around that number, maybe 442. Continuing claims level has been a fairly straight downward path over the past few weeks, but this is mostly due to claimant benefits expiring and not from job growth. Now, at first glance, that would suggest that the consensus believes right now the downward trend's not going to continue because we expect continuing claims to hold right at about 4.3 million. 
Yet the Department of Labor has been very poor of late with the advanced continuing claims estimates. So if previous trends hold the data from the week ending October 30th will be revised higher. So we're not exactly sure how that's going to play out. But um, initial unemployment claims on a four-week average, it's it's nice to see where we're trying to go. You know, if you go back to 06, we were right around 325, 350. And right around 07 is when we started spiking on that. So back in 92, we are at 350 to 400. Uh, back in 99, we are down to 250 on initial unemployment claims, 250,000. And then it spiked up in 2000 when we had our little Iraq war slash uh, terrorism event spiked up to 470. Then it worked its way lower to the 350, 300 level through 06. And then in 06, it started moving higher, where it went from 350 to 400, 450, 500, 550, 600, 650. And since it hit 650 and basically the start of 09, it's been working its way back down. And again, we're starting to get another level down off that huge spike that we got in 07. Wall Street would like that very much. Initial claims coming out tomorrow. Let's talk briefly about a stock that's under 10 bucks. I've sort of gone out on the limb and said that if you listen to this show, I'll get a little bit more speculative with you. So stocks that are under 10 bucks are attractive because a small move of a point's a pretty big move for people. There's a company that I want you to pay attention to called B-Square, ticker symbol BSQR. It's a provider of software and engineering services to companies that develop smart devices i.e. smartphones, set-top boxes, point-of-sale systems, kiosks, go-to machines, gaming platforms, and tablets. In simple terms, it's a manufacturing customer comes to be square with a project. Say a kiosk, for example. Their job is to create a software platform for the product so that it works properly. The company uses software from various third parties that integrates it in together for their client. Their core, comp- comp- no, their core competency is probably considered integration. Companies are responsible for design, implementation, certification software to make sure it's working properly in the device. Its key markets are smartphones and automotive telematics. It also services customers in retail, medical, industrial, and consumer electronic industries. Their primary focus is on smart devices that use Microsoft Windows. However, it's brought in into Android, Linux, and Symbian. And again, it's it's just a, a variety of products. For instance, they got My Ford Touch, which is an advanced automotive telematics and infotainment system. It's the second generation for the Ford Sync. It's currently shipping My Ford Touch on the 2011 Ford Edge, Ford Explorer, and Lincoln MKX. Um, they're also the lead system integrator for the Coca-Cola Freestyle, which brings technology to consumers by offering 100 plus beverage selections from one machine. So the B-Square helped design an intuitive user face that makes the machine easy to use by consumers and restaurant managers. It's currently being deployed in several North American markets. Uh, The stock's been rallying since they reported on November 11th. Revenue jumped 55% year over year. This was a 6% sequential decrease, though, as Ford peaked out in the second quarter and should decline over the coming quarters. Analysts aren't following the company. The growth is good, but it's fairly thin margin business because much of the software it uses are from third-party companies, so they get most of the royalty. Now, gross margin in the third quarter was 20% versus 21% last year at this time. They're expanding into Asia, which should help margins over the next year or two. They're looking ahead. The company um, hasn't really provided a lot of guidance. They don't have a lot of good visibility. Its play on device is getting more sophisticated. 
Increasing complexity means device makers will require more software. With a market cap of about $50 million, the stock is speculative. But with no one analyzing it, it's a good story that's on very few radar screens. Balance sheet should help provide some downside protection. They got $21 million in cash, $2 in share, no long-term debt. Dicker symbol on this one is BSQR. Don't say I never gave you something kind of fun and com- something kind of sexy. Because um, I have. <laughs> and that's a great example. I'll probably give you one or two more of these in the coming days, but I don't want to spoil you at this point in time. Instead, let's talk a little bit about a momentum stock. Rackspace Holding, ticker symbol RAX. It's in the midst of a mild pullback. Key support areas right around the $26 level. Ticker symbol on Rack is RAX. It's RAX. And it's Rackspace. And it's basically a play on... You know, uh, the continued buildup of serving media and serving data to people. So technically, well, not even technically, fundamentally, there's a good story there. When you look at the chart, you're going to see a lot of support right at 26, okay? And again, on occasion, I get a little momentum crazy for you. And on occasion, I get a little technical for you. And I'm trying to help you out here. This is a company that's really been moving higher since 2009, I don't think the story's over. I don't think the story's dead. They broke out a couple of weeks ago. I think there's still some play here. And if you, again, if you take a look at it, the first level of support is right at 26. And the reason I'm saying that, pull up a one-year chart, and what you're going to see is back on September 30th, roughly, the stock played with 26. Then it broke down, and it held support at 23, which it held in October 11th. But it also held support, it broke through 23 back in September 20th, and it held support there again back in late October. So 23 is one level of support, 26 is the other. And what you're going to basically see is the stock probably bounce off 26 and move higher to 29. If it continues lower, I would buy the out of this one at $24, $23, because there's a lot of support there. And, uh, you know, mild pullback to key support. If it breaks it, no, no major stresses. 23 should hold another level of support as that's where it broke through and that's where it's held twice now. So, again, the, the area that was tough was 26 breaking through. So perhaps you'll see 26 is the key standing point. If not, I expect 23. Anyway, with that being said, I gave you a nice long podcast today. I got a boogie because I got to get into TV. Love you. Hope you're well. I'll talk to you soon. And... By all means, don't be shy, okay? Um, Don't forget you can call the radio show live, 800-516-1220 from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Pacific time. That's 800-516-1220. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love a little more interaction with you. So please uh, pull through for me on that if you could. I'll talk to you soon, and have a good day. Good day. Pull out in the past, you so the mighty heart will sing, oh the mighty 
horrible sun But I'll always be blamed for the sun going down with the sun But I'm the light in the middle of every man's fall And I shoot around the hill If I don't get you in the morning By the evening I sure will By the evening Why oh, I sure will Cause I'm the fire on the mountain You have lit up in your dream But also water on the fountain You could send myself on me You could send myself on me Cause I'll always be blamed For the sun going down with the sun J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.